0: It is 11.30 on a Friday. Time for us to begin our midday program. Scott Foster in here, sitting in for Tyler, who's off sunning himself, I'm sure, somewhere. Listen, you could be sunning yourself here. It's wonderful out. A little windy, but still very, very nice. So we've got a full slate of activities coming our way here on midday. Uh, Let's see. we got Bryce Dusky going to come in from Lincoln to talk to us a little bit. We'll give you an update on Uh, some of the uh, tournament activities going on yesterday and today as we get ready for sports and then we'll check in with the markets and see what's happening there but let's uh, get things started from lincoln bryce duskett is with us and uh, good morning to you sir
1: Good morning to you, Scott. I can give you the farm news, but not the uh, the update on the bracket or the NCAA action. That is. Did,
0: did you uh, fill your bracket out? No, I did not fill it out, what? and I wouldn't even
1: know what teams are
0: in it this year, Scott. Oh my goodness! Well, the I still filled it out. I didn't know any teams that were in it. I just <laughs> went by the colors. So that's all I had. Hey, here's what we did fill out. The uh, the midday show
1: in terms of the farm team content. We'll let you know what's coming up here at 1219. Was we do every Friday, check in with weather from Nebraska state climatologist Al Dutcher. Chad Moyer will visit with him. Then at 1245, we will hear from Dr. Jeffrey Gold of the University of Nebraska Medical Center. He'll be joining us to share information on the COVID-19 vaccine and in particular discuss the rollout efforts in rural and urban areas. Then running out at one seventeen, it's our weekly Friday feeders feature. Try saying that three times fast. On this week's program, Chebella will bring us an update from the Panhandle as she visits with Douglas Olson about cattle body conditioning and spring forages. Now, Scott, before I toss it back to you, got to tell you, try not to mess up here on the update because we have our, our brand new intern watching, Whitney Steckle. Whitney,
0: Whitney Steckle. are you going to put Whitney on the air here? Yeah, for we got to put bit? her on. The air. Okay, let's at least make her
1: tell us where she's from.
0: Yeah, where are you from, Whitney?
2: Well, I'm uh, from the tiny town of Taylor, Nebraska, ah, in the center of everywhere.
0: That's right. You can't okay. you can't go from north to south in Nebraska without going through Taylor.
2: Correct. Straight up Highway 183.
0: Very good. Well, welcome aboard. I don't know that they've told you, but uh, when when they talk about intern, it's basically just indentured servitude. So I hope you're okay with that.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm getting used to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, welcome aboard, Whitney. Thank you, Bryce. I appreciate it. You got it, Scott. All right. Well, a uh, quick look here. Let's see. The University of Nebraska women's basketball team is playing in the WNIT right now, and they are leading UT Martin by 20-19. As far as the men's games today, just getting underway is Virginia Tech and Florida are uh, battling it out. Winners last night might have blown up your brackets already. Texas Southern was a winner over St. Mary's Drake with a close one over the Shackers of Wichita State. Norfolk State beat App State, and it was UCLA beating the Spartans in overtime. Bob Brogan's in here
3: with more on uh, some business stuff. Stocks are moving a little bit lower as uh, the Bonds continue to rise. Bank stocks fell after the Federal Reserve announced it would end some of its emergency measures put into place for the industry last year. Also, uh, you know, stuff keeps coming out of the Federal Reserve from um, uh, pronouncements yesterday, so we'll pass those along, a few of those along to you. Those are some of the business headlines.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Clay.
3: Clay Patton
4: on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, coming here into Friday, we started with the Ides of March. So as we come into Friday on the William Shakespeare track, maybe it's to inflate or not to inflate. But uh, the beans coming back, maybe on a little more reflationary bias.
5: Yeah, I think this helps us to understand what was uh, about you know what to do about nothing in terms of Thursday just to continue on this terrible track of Shakespeare but uh, I think the issue contends in, in the market with the outside markets the crude oil the dollar the interest rates that was the real shock yesterday I think today helps support that idea because crude's back up not a lot though and yet all of a sudden we see more t- chinese sales of corn or Chinese purchases of corn by the to the United States and you know another thirty one and a half million bushels. I think we're close to one hundred and fifty million bushels purchased so far this week at this stage, and this is in the midst of that uh, U.S.-China negotiation and and diplomacy meeting up in Alaska. So I think the outside markets really did help us uh, to understand how much they were negatively impacting us yesterday because the follow-through today was not seen because we saw uh, a supportive crude oil price and all of a sudden uh, the shorts came in and covered very strongly.
4: When we go across the, specifically here in the grain complex wheat again down here today more rain maybe in the forecast a decent start to that growing crop year is it sustainable to keep wheat on the short side of the spreads and continue to push corn and beans until we get more actually into a planning time frame?
5: No, I really don't think so, Clay. I mean, if you're looking for another sharp move higher in the corn, not just to get back up to that 574 and a quarter uh, uh, top that we had uh, back in February in lead month futures, I think you really have to have wheat on board. And and a soft red wheat corn spread that is now below 70 cents on the day uh, is not going to help us at all. It's going to help support the idea of feeding more wheat at this stage of the game if the cash wheat basis uh, starts to drop uh, as we get into the harvest time period here, which is only a couple, three months away now. So I think you really do need the wheat on your side, and I think this is where the outside markets and the dollar and the crude oil really do play a significant role. So if we would start to see that soft red corn uh, spread get down towards 50 cents, I think you could look forward to the wheat taking a lot of business away from the corn in the summer months as far as feeding demand.
4: When we go over into the currencies on that U.S. dollar index, we asked earlier in the week, but now we're starting to just quietly move closer to $92 on the index. Does that give us any of a technical picture? Are we moving those Bollinger Bands to to a higher position or anything?
5: Well, you notice what the dollar's doing. It's trying to get up at around that 92.50 level and get through that. And some of the longer-term charts are giving some buy signals on the oscillators, but there's just no follow-through right now. And I think that signifies to me when you have this tight of a trading range and these Bollinger bands that you're talking about, or any other kind of channel-type uh, oscillator or ch- channel-type technical indicator, they begin to narrow. It means the market's waiting for more information. So I think we got away with the Federal Reserve update today, or excuse me, this week, and as we close out the week today that isn't taking too much of a negative inflation mindset. But again, that goes back to the crude oil finding some support.
4: On the hog side, we see the pork carcass get out and drop a little bit here at the midday uh, noon report. However, is there anything to be concerned about there?
5: I think we're nearing a top in terms of the seasonality and in terms of what the retail market can take. I think the consumer is really going to go after the beef at this point, especially with the bacon prices starting to go up here in the next few weeks. And I don't think you fed the bull at all in the export sales yesterday, which I think we talked about.
4: That is Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics. If you want to talk to Mike one-on-one and how all of this information is applicable to your farm or ranch and its marketing plan, visit GlobalComResearch.com. That's GlobalCom with two M's Research.com. Do remember, though, train futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Time for us to check in on our weather
0: brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And uh, we got Paul Perkins in here taking a look at some Very nice sunny weather. Yeah,
6: finally some sunshine that will last the entire day because it's been about a week since that's been uh, happened in our area because it was very rainy last weekend. Of course, that system moving in by Friday and we are already starting to see the effects of it. And probably since what last Thursday or Wednesday is what last time we saw a whole day of sunshine and. It is a sunshine wall-to-wall in Nebraska, and a good day today to look at the visible satellite photo because that's where you will see where the snow cover is from central Colorado on up into the Nebraska Panhandle, at least the western half of the Panhandle, and into much of Wyoming. Now, the northern part of Wyoming, no snow cover, but pretty much from about right Wyoming down into the southeast corner, a lot of snow still on the ground. And in the Nebraska panhandle, that snow cover still very prevalent along and west of a line from Gordon to Alliance and Sydney.
0: I just love it because you can go and you can see you can see exactly where the Niobrara <laughs> River is. You can see where the North Platte flows and yeah. stuff like that. But, yeah, finally, finally, we, it's a good thing. We needed some sunshine around because people were starting to get crappy. I'm <laughs> and just getting saying. a
6: little grumpy. And, and, I get, and once again, it seems like usually when the seasons change that's where we see a significant weather change and tomorrow is the first day of spring and we're really going to see some spring-like temperatures on into the 60s.
0: Right, right, absolutely.
6: <laughs> we, we will take it. Yes. Right now across the area, we have most of our temperatures in the low to mid-40s, but in those snow-covered areas of the western Nebraska panhandle, temperature is still in the mid to upper 30s, and it's still down to 18 on the temperature at Douglas, Wyoming, and eastern Wyoming. Sunshine for today, seasonal temperatures, and some southerly winds as a ridge of high pressure moves overhead. With the approach of low pressure, south winds increase for tomorrow, gusting as high as 35 during the afternoon. Our weekend temperatures, though, will be warmer in the 60s, or about 10 degrees warmer than usual. Some locations over northeast colorado into western texas will or n- nor- northwestern kansas will see temperatures approach 70 for tomorrow rain chances do return by sunday night with the passage of a cold front you knew it couldn't last forever higher chances of rain will be monday into tuesday with some lingering chances through wednesday the exact track for rain still uncertain but abundant moisture could lead to some areas of locally heavy rain we're definitely going to see some rain across the entire area just uh, how much in certain areas is still up in the air rain expected to be the dominant precipitation so we maybe a little snow mixes in during the cooler hours of monday night and tuesday night but once again mostly a rain event daytime highs the early half of next week slightly cooler than average before they rebound to slightly above normal by next thursday so not much of a cool down in the long-term forecast nebraska and kansas temperatures Overall overall, are likely to be slightly cooler than normal for Wednesday through the first day of next month. Precipitation for Wednesday through April 1st, near normal to slightly below normal for Nebraska and Kansas. The National Weather Service outlooks for next month and the summer months of June, July, and August were released. Next month in Nebraska and Kansas for the month of April, temperatures very likely to be warmer than normal, while precipitation will be slightly below normal for the summer months of June, July, and August. It's likely Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be warmer than normal, while it's very likely precipitation will be below normal. Key weather factors affecting the markets include a dry forecast for central Brazil and a new rain system indicated for the central U.S. during the next week. Central Plains winter greens winter grains continue to benefit from recent soil moisture improvements. Drought, though, still covers 26% of the winter wheat production area. High pressure over the Great Lakes will push to the east, allowing warmer air to gradually expand across the central and eastern U.S. the next couple of days. By early next week, a developing storm could produce heavy rain from the central plains into parts of the Midwest. This will benefit soil moisture, including the extreme drought area of northwest Iowa. Dry areas of the Great Lakes, though, will see little improvement. In the southern plains The moderate to locally heavy amounts of rain will add to the recent soil moisture improvement following very heavy precipitation in the past seven days northern plains areas still in need of moisture north dakota had its driest september through february on record next week's storm could produce more widespread showers across the northern plains but forecast models are mixed on that benefit central brazil's primary second crop corn will see below normal rainfall for the next 10 days unfavorable weather for soil moisture as the crop moves into the vegetative stage drier weather in central brazil though will allow for continued progress on their soybean harvest
0: all right very good so above normal temperatures and below normal precipitation yeah pretty
6: much for april and then those summer months it looks very likely we will be warmer than normal in the summer months and Right from about Nebraska and Kansas into the Dakotas into the northwest U.S., those high likelihoods this summer of below-normal precipitation.
0: Well, we kind of thought that that was going to happen. And
6: it's something that usually happens after a La Nina, too.
0: Yeah, that's very true. All right, very good. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Paul, where do you go to check in on your weather?
6: Weather page, (laughs) krvn.com.
4: soybean meal market. That's giving support to the soybeans, which then in turn supporting corn higher, although wheat was the short side of spreads early on. We're seeing the grains move high enough now that we pulled Kansas City wheat higher as well in the early afternoon trading. Moving over to the livestock trade, though, with a midday pork carcass cut out that slipped a little bit. Lean hogs just trying to hold on to their early morning gains, although they're not making much move either direction with limited volume so far in the early afternoon trade. Right now, we see the May corn, 558.5, up 11 and three quarters. That's July corn now 538 and three quarters up eight and a half. September corn 489 and a quarter up three. December new crop 470 and three quarters up two and three quarters. May soybeans 1417 even up 24 and three quarters. July 1403 and three quarters up 23 and a quarter. August 1358 even up 22 and a quarter. November new crop 1223 and a half up 17 and a quarter. We see the May Chicago wheat 628 and three quarters down one and three quarters. So that's just seven from the high. It's at least seven off the low. July Chicago 621 and a quarter down Down three quarters. September six twenty one and a half down a quarter. May Kansas City wheat five eighty seven and a quarter up a quarter. July five ninety three and a quarter up one. September five ninety eight and three quarters up one and a quarter. April live cattle, dollar eighteen eighty up twenty two. June dollar nineteen oh seven down fifty seven. August live cattle, dollar eighteen twelve, down ninety, and we see the October dollar twenty one ninety two down eighty. Continue to be extremely close with now just a twenty cent spread between the April and June live cattle contracts. April feeders dollar thirty. 910 down 232 May $44.57 down 205 August $54.75 down 92 pre-positioning ahead of the cattle and feed report out this afternoon April in hogs 9470 up 40 May 9490 down 10 June $100.62 up 60 the Dow 152 lower at 32,709 Attorney advisement from Longo Legal PLLC Attention Farmers Recent studies have linked the commercial herbicide Paraquat with a significant increase in Parkinson's disease. If you or a loved one were exposed to Gramoxone or any other Paraquat-containing herbicides at work or on a farm and then developed Parkinson's disease, you may be entitled to financial compensation and you have the right to take action. Call Longo Legal today for a free consultation. 844-900-DRUG That's 844-900-DRUG Non-attorney spokesperson
2: Right now in Nebraska, over 150 AmeriCorps members are using their talent and passion to make our communities better. AmeriCorps is all about overcoming the challenges our country faces through compassion and teamwork. And the best part? Every AmeriCorps adventure is unique. Find out what AmeriCorps can be for you by starting your own adventure today. Learn more about AmeriCorps programming in Nebraska by checking out Serve Nebraska on social media. Sponsored by Serve Nebraska, aired with the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this station
7: it's the fourth year in a row that the american farm bureau is giving members a chance to show off their farm dogs good friday afternoon i'm alex woichowski joining you with a check of the latest in agriculture news today terry moore is the vice president of communications for the american farm bureau and she says the sign-up process to enter your farm dog into farm bureau's farm dog of the
2: year contest is a simple one It's a questionnaire, and then we invite you to send a video of your dog. And it's an opportunity just to have a little fun with uh, farm dogs and how they help out on the farm. And then they'll go through a judging process. We actually have a whole lineup of judges, and they'll judge the dogs based on helpfulness to the family, playfulness, and obedience.
7: And more talks about why the contest is important to Farm Bureau and the prizes they're offering this
2: year. This contest has become a darling of sorts, both on social media and with folks outside of agriculture in general. Our 2021 Farm Dog of the Year contest reached more than 700,000 people and had more than 40,000 engagements, so likes and shares and comments. The grand prize winner will receive 5,000 dollars in prize money, a year's worth of Purina dog food, and be recognized at our convention. We'll also have up to four regional runners-up that will each win $1,000 in prize money. And to get more information, she says. We invite farmers and ranchers to jump on our website at fb.org and just search Farm Doc. And that'll come up for you and you can apply right there to nominate your dog. Again, it's a quick questionnaire and we have encourage you to also submit a video, but that's optional. And if you're not yet a Farm Bureau member, this is limited to Farm Bureau members, but it's very easy to sign up and you can do that through our website too. Again, that is Terry Moore with the
7: American Farm Bureau. Well, the Nebraska Department of Agriculture is reminding pesticide applicators who received a special extension to their applicator license in May of 2020 due to the pandemic that they need to complete recertification training before April 15th, so less than a month away, in order to retain that license. Commercial and non-commercial recertification and initial training sessions through Pesticide Safety Education Programs is open for registration at pested.unl.edu. And then private applicator in-person trainings are being hosted at local county extension offices, so you need to contact your local extension office for more information. Well, Ex-Secretary Tom Vilsack recently offered his perspective on what's transpired to date regarding Phase 1 of the U.S.-China trade agreement and its impacts for the nation's ag exports to that market.
8: I think the benefit that did accrue is that China did make a number of commitments in the sanitary and phytosanitary area, which China is now doing. They opened up access to their beef market, for example, but they haven't fully engaged with a regulatory system that allows for more rapid adoption of some of the genetically engineered technologies that are important. And so I think there's still work to be done but certainly the benefit of opening up markets, of reducing barriers, of making it a little bit easier to get into that market was certainly beneficial. The jury's still out, if you will, on precisely the impact of this. Certainly if, for whatever reason, China it fails to meet its phase one requirements in year two, I think then we have to maybe begin the process of asking China what more can be done in order for you to meet those requirements, because they're about 80% of what they promised they would buy. Certainly better than it was, and certainly helpful to the market, no question, and a good thing. But, They're not where they need to be, and they're not where we want them to be.
7: That again is Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. And finally, this afternoon, the Nebraska Soybean Board will hold its next meeting on March 23rd through the 24th. That's next Tuesday and Wednesday in Lincoln. And they'll be reviewing the fiscal year 2022 research proposals and other new opportunities. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their Checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
9: On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chad Moyer. It's time for our weekly visit with Nebraska ag climatologist Al Dutcher. Al, good to have you on here. And give us kind of the summary here, the weekend into next week, what can we expect across farm country?
10: Well, Chad. After what we endured there earlier in the week, and then that persistent cloud cover and drizzle, it's kind of nice to see some sunshine, and it looks like it's going to hold at least for the next couple days. As high pressure builds firmly in control over the central plains and heights rise, and the top of that ridge builds all the way up into the northern plains. With all this precipitation and the moisture at the surface, is going to act as a little bit of a buffer in terms of our high temperatures. So we don't have that dry soil surfaces anymore, so we're going to see just a little bit of cooler temperatures than would have occurred if this we'd have been in this over Overall dry pattern. So we're going to be looking at highs for the most part. And this is east of the panhandle we're going to be looking for most part in the 50s today and then we're going to jump up into the upper 50s low 60s tomorrow and possibly holding that to the mid 60s for most of the state on sunday before the clouds start to increase i think where the where we'll see some of the cooler temperatures is going to be in the panhandle going to probably knock five to seven degrees off your temperature compared to people that are 30 to 50 miles east of you simply because that deep snowpack exists but we should start to er erode that pretty rapidly this weekend and we'll see a bump up of temperatures in the western panhandle probably into the mid to upper 50s as we go into uh, tomorrow and in Sunday and then we'll see temperature drop as this system uh, big trough comes out into the plains and unfortunately looks like we're going to see an extended period of precipitation particularly across eastern Nebraska big fetch of moisture coming from the Gulf going to be a a period probably from about Sunday evening all the way through at least Tuesday afternoon where we're going to see off and on a periodic rain and possibly moderate to heavy rain at occasions, and we're looking at possibly one to up to three inches if we get some heavier rain cells developing in in eastern Nebraska. As we go westward, it gets a little bit more difficult because it looks like a fine dividing line between the haves and the have-nots, But the GFS model, at least, is indicating that as that circulation pattern starts to move up from the Texas Panhandle up into the central Corn Belt, the wraparound moisture and the trough itself will broaden out such that we'll start to see some of that moisture getting into western Nebraska in the form of scattered rain and snow showers. We'll start as we get into the middle of next week, clearing things out and going into a warming trend at least into the first half of next weekend, However, there is a couple troughs that look like they're going to cross the northern plains, and at least from the GFS model standpoint, it is trying to bring in some cooler arctic air into the northern plains it's been bringing that in on the front range of the Rocky Mountains and shifting it all the way over to the Great Lakes region so there's a lot of uncertainty here but definitely a little bit more colder air coming in it brings it down about to the central United States so if that's the case there may be some active weather that will develop somewhere within that troughing panel so we'll have to pay attention to that it's just one of those things to watch out as we get it toward the end of the month we'll get better delineation as we get into next weekend and it looks like the ridge is going to at least build in for the first part of April into the Intermountain region and Northern Plains. But there are some waves that are going to move through at least on the other side of that ridge. And that would basically bring those across the central United States. So a warmer trend at least going into the first part of April. Buyer beware. The pattern has been two weeks cold, two weeks stormy and warm so I wouldn't be surprised as we get into the second half of April we're going to return to this very wet pattern once again that we've seen build here during the second halves of the months for the last three months
9: thank you so much for the insight and the uh, analysis here today again we've been visiting with Nebraska ag climatologist Al Dutcher here on the Rural Radio Network Chad Moyer reporting half of the Husker oh. women who were only up 28-24 the half but they have blown out UT Martin in the second half Three minutes left in that game. Huskers cruising 67-44. And,
0: and the Skyhawks, they're not a push. the 20-5, and five, the one the Ohio Valley Conference, but uh, they, yikes, they're getting <laughs> beat up in Colliersville right now.
9: So that means the Huskers will play tomorrow afternoon at 5, pregame at 445. We will bring everyone that game tomorrow over on Cami Country and KUVR in Holdridge. So way to go, Coach Amy Williams and the Huskers. So they move on in the uh, WNIT. Uh, the big dance is also underway today with all kinds of games. Virginia Tech leads Florida 33 Colgate surprising Arkansas 33-19 and just underway with thirteen oh eight left in the first half. Illinois. With a nine-eight lead over Drexel, you've had a chance to watch more of this today than I have. Any anything stand out so far with any of the games?
0: You know, it's been fun to watch Colgate play a little bit. They kind of play a little bit like Princeton did. They have spread that
9: offense out, and they're very methodical, and they've uh, they're tough. They're a tough matchup early on. We'll see if they can take out Arkansas. Big news for UNK men's basketball as head coach Kevin Lofton announced today that David Sementol. Set the Colorado State Pueblo single-game scoring record this season. Will suit up for the Lopers next winter. He's a 6'2", 185-pound guard with two years of eligibility remaining. He is a brother of UNK women's point guard Haley Simmental. Uh, he'll have two years remaining. Last year he averaged 19 points per game for CSU Pueblo. That's a big get for head coach Kevin Lofton.
0: That's nice to have. Uh,
9: Semantol was number 1 on their radar in really? terms of guys in the transfer portal, and they uh, get their first choice. They still have some other pieces they need to find, but this is a move in the right direction. UNK volleyball team approved to 8-2 and two this spring with a sweep last night over Fort Hay State. M.K. Wolf led the Lopers with 10 kills. Gracie Stenicky of Gothenburg had 9, and Bailey Sterling chipped in with 8. And the Husker baseball team heads to Iowa City this weekend. Those will probably be a chilly three games against Iowa. I don't know if you wanna be in Iowa City to play baseball in March, but that's that's what the schedule holds for the Huskers. They split with Iowa last weekend. First pitch today is set for four. You can hear the game over on Cami Countries. We'll see if the Huskers can get it rolling today against Iowa.
0: Alright, very good. Good day today, at least. Yeah, Maybe not
9: bad there. today. Hopefully the weather holds, but then each team's tough. They're, they're used to they're it. Used, Northern baseball. <laughs> That's sports. For more, find it anytime. KRVN.com. Thanks, sir.
10: Gar-
11: In accordance with a proclamation from the White House, Governor Pete Ricketts has announced that all U.S. and Nebraska flags are to be flown at half-staff to honor and remember the victims of the shootings in Metro Atlanta, Georgia, that took place on March 16, 2021. Flags will be flown at half-staff until sunset on March 22, 2021. A woman, a girl, and a boy died from injuries sustained in a house fire Thursday afternoon in Kearney. Kearney Volunteer Fire Department and Kearney Police Department were called to the house in Northeast Kearney around 12.42 p.m. Thursday, where they found the residents fully engulfed in flames. Firefighters located the three occupants, carried them from the residence, and then performed first aid before being transported by CHI Health Good Samaritan EMS to CHI Health Good Samaritan Hospital. After a significant life-saving effort by hospital staff, all three victims succumbed to their injuries at the hospital. The Buffalo County Attorney has ordered autopsies for the victims. The Kearney police chief says their thoughts are with the family of the victims involved in the tragic fire, and they appreciate the efforts from all of the first responders who worked tirelessly in responding to the fire. This fire remains under investigation by the Kearney Volunteer Fire Department, Kearney Police Department, Nebraska State Fire Marshal Office, and the Buffalo County Attorney. A former longtime Nebraska State lawmaker has died at the age of 79. Dwight Peterson of Omaha served the Nebraska Legislature from 1993 to 2009. Peterson was a leading advocate for alcohol and drug rehabilitation and worked with troubled youth and prison inmates. Peterson represented the Elkhorn area of Omaha and ran unsuccessfully for Omaha City Council in 2017. He worked as a counselor focused on youth and was a recovered alcoholic who had been sober for 40 years. He also was known to help prison inmates, including those who rarely got visits from others. Nebraska health officials say a variant of the coronavirus, first found in Brazil, has been found in Omaha. The Omaha World Herald reports that the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services has confirmed two people in Douglas County have tested positive for the so-called Brazil P1 variant. That strain is believed to be responsible for a surge in hospitalizations in Brazil, even though many people there had already developed COVID-19 and made antibodies against it. State health officials say the Douglas County cases were detected through COVID-19 testing and investigations into the cases are underway. The Lexington Lions Club is hosting their pancake feed this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Dawson County Fairgrounds. Oscar de la Torre with the Lions Club.
4: It's a big fundraiser for us, so we're happy to do do that. We're selling tickets. You can get them at the door. They are uh, $5 for adults and $3 for children.
11: The Lions Club also encourages those coming to the feed to bring their used eyeglasses or hearing aids to be donated. The club will then use those to give to someone who can't afford such things. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons.
4: I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef oriented, KRVN Cattleman brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas and cattle resources including the inventory, cattle on feed and slaughter numbers you need. Plus hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Bryce Duskin
1: reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Today we are joined by Dr. Jeffrey Gold, the Chancellor of the University of Nebraska Medical Center. Dr. Gold, we're going to focus our conversation today around the COVID 19 vaccine. There are currently three approved vaccines in the United States. When it comes to our turn to get the vaccine, do we have the choice of which one to receive?
12: Well, we really don't, uh, unless there's a medical indication or a contraindication that a prescriber, meaning a healthcare professional, uh, would select. But right now, you know, based on the data provided through the Food and Drug Administration, uh, all three of these products are safe, and all three of these products are effective. I mean, at the end of the day, what, what does a vaccine have to do? It has to prevent serious illness, hopefully prevent hospitalization, and, of course, in the best of all worlds, it needs to prevent death, and all three of these vaccine products have done that, and although... There is concern that people articulate one is uh, 95% effective, another one is 64% effective. But, you know, these vaccines were trialed in different times, in different places in the world, dealing with different strains of the COVID uh, 19 virus. At the end of the day, uh, they all appear to be very safe, and they all appear to nearly eliminate uh, the need for hospitalization, and in the trials, uh, eliminate death uh, from COVID, uh, even in those individuals who had a mild case of the disease. And most importantly, Bryce, is that all three of them seem to significantly reduce the chance of an individual transmitting the disease. That is to say, that word, even if they be develop an asymptomatic case of COVID-19, they won't have the same probability of transmitting it to others, which is a very, very important effect of the vaccine.
1: Dr. Gold, let's talk about uh, urban versus rural. From your perspective and the things you have seen, has there been a difference in perceptions of the vaccine in more urban versus rural areas or are are concerns similar across the board and uh, people's tendency to get the vaccine?
12: Well, you know, our preliminary experience here at the Med Center is uh, there was about 5.6% of our employees for either medical reasons or concerns chose not to be immunized. Now, that's an astounding high number, but those are individuals who are, you know, frontline healthcare workers, and I'm talking about over 15,000 people uh, who were eligible, and almost all now have had both doses, two doses uh, of the vaccine, because when we started this, we were talking both Moderna and Pfizer, and the J&J product was not yet available. Having said that, uh, there is a moderate amount of vaccine hesitancy that people are talking about, uh, not just in Nebraska, but frankly, widely across the United States. Uh, and it cuts across not only uh, frontline healthcare workers to a small extent, but to uh, educators, uh, to people that work in convenience stores, supermarkets, uh, all kinds of discussion about public transportation workers, and so many, many more. However, what we've actually seen is that when we open a clinic and we give people an appointment, they show up. The percentage of people who choose not to show up are few and far between. And right now, you know, we are immunizing more than 2 million Americans a day, which means that if this pace continues, we will get to herd immunity either by the end of the spring or the beginning of the summer, which will allow us to restore, uh, you know, a near normal or what I like to call a new normal lifestyle, meaning we'll be able to visit with friends and family, we'll be able to dine and and socialize with each other, go to sporting and cultural events, go to church without concerns. And at the end of the day, that's what we're really trying to achieve, that sense of safety that people can go back to the life uh, that they really cherish. So only time will tell uh, whether uh, people will adopt these vaccines and uh, allow themselves and their family members and loved ones to be immunized. But I will tell you, the experience across the long-term care facilities, you know, those over 75 across the nation, has been an incredibly high acceptance rate. Uh, school teachers, a very high acceptance rate. Healthcare professionals, a very high acceptance rate. So I am hopeful that that will persist uh, over time and uh, and get us to that point of herd immunity which is you know not everybody but it's at least 75 to 85% of the vulnerable population and so uh let's keep our fingers crossed and let's just keep sharing the facts about the safety and efficacy of these vaccines and hopefully people will respond accordingly.
1: Absolutely. Herd immunity, that's a day we're all looking forward to. Dr. Gold, I want to give you the last uh, minute or two here. Final thoughts from you. What else would you like to add either about the COVID-19 vaccine or uh, UNL or UNMC up there in Omaha?
12: Well, I would say that the research continues on. There are many other vaccine products that are currently under development that we are in the process of testing. Uh, We are about to – we just finished the Novavax trial enrollment and actually had some of the best trial enrollment uh, in the country, which is a different type of vaccine. Uh, We're about to announce a trial with a product made by a company called COVAX, which is also a protein construct vaccine. Uh, There's little question that these vaccines will continue to evolve just as variant and mutation strains of the virus continue to evolve. Every time there's a significant variant, think about we'll need uh, some type of booster. And so it is likely that there'll be at least one booster to these vaccines. And there's even a possibility that this could be annual, uh, as it has been with the flu vaccine. And so we're going to continue to monitor that, continue to do this cutting-edge research, and continue to communicate this fact-based information.
1: That is Dr. Jeffrey Gold, the Chancellor of the University of Nebraska Medical Center, joining us here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskin reporting.
0: Time for us to check in with our midday business reporters, Bob.
3: With a business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks moving lower on Wall Street as bond yields continue to rise. Bank stocks fell after the Federal Reserve announced it would end some of its emergency measures put into place for the industry last year to help deal with the pandemic. The S&P 500 index was down four-tenths of a percent in early trading. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell eight-tenths of a percent, pulled lower by bank and energy companies, while the Nasdaq Composite was up one-tenth of a percent. The Federal Reserve says it will restore capital requirements for large banks that were relaxed as part of the Fed's efforts to shore up the financial system during the early days of the pandemic. The Fed said it will not extend the relief from what is called the Supplementary Leverage Ratio past March 31st. The easing of that regulation had been intended to give banks flexibility in what assets they could hold to meet regulatory requirements during the turmoil of the pandemic, when banks were having to suddenly write down billions of dollars of loans. Germany is resuming vaccinations with the coronavirus vaccine made by AstraZeneca after European regulators said the benefits of the shot outweigh the risks. The European Medicines Agency said yesterday that the vaccine is safe, but it can't rule out a link between the vaccine and a small number of rare blood clots reported on the continent. A global semiconductor shortage and a February winter storm have combined to force Ford to build F-150 pickup trucks without some computers. The company says the pickups will be held at factories for a number of weeks and then shipped to dealers once computers are available and quality checks are done. The move is the latest ripple from the global semiconductor shortage, which earlier this week forced Honda and Toyota to announce production cuts at some North American factories. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bruggan.
13: It's time for this week's Friday Feeders, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. A historic winter storm hit western Nebraska on March 13th and 14th, dropping more than two feet of snow in some areas. In Banner County, Douglas Olson says the snow has been a challenge.
14: Vehicles are hard to get through the snow. Four-wheelers are really challenging to push through the snow. So very challenging for producers uh, to try to get cattle to markets. Uh, Certainly challenging for people to take care of their livestock, make sure they're in the fences so they can be safe. Um, Especially for those people that are calving now, uh, caring for the newborn animals uh, presents quite a challenge to keep them a place where they can lay down and be safe and dry uh, is quite the challenge just to get feed to cattle in this storm. But the long-term impacts of this storm are also great and we look forward to the moisture that this has brought in this region. We depend on storms to bring moisture and so we are off to a much better start for spring and the anticipated grass that we'll be able to raise with this moisture that we have received.
13: The snowstorm will affect some body conditioning of cattle.
14: We are able to get by with less feed and nutrients than some of the people that would be calving now. Even though it is challenging for those cows to get through the snow to get to their corn stalks, uh, most of those cows are able to forage and get down and get enough corn stalks to meet their requirements and so our cows are still out on corn stalks even through this storm and this amount of snow has been a challenge to uh, keep all those cattle in where they're supposed to be and keep them safe where their new where their feed is for them
13: while many of the ranches are calving or beginning to calve olson explains why their calves will be on green spring grass before calving begins at their ranch
14: when we decided to calve in late may that matches our resources. It does not fit everybody, because the way our resources are that fits our operation, and not everybody has the same resources as us. Calving season impacts many things on your operation, uh, including what your winter feed supply is, where you're going to have your cows in the winter time, what your summer grazing resources are, and how close they are to each other. Uh, certainly affects your marketing of your livestock and how that fits your operation. There's social, family impacts to your calving season timing. And so there's lots of things to consider when you con- when you discuss what time you want to start calving.
13: The heavy moisture from the snow will help in greening up the pastures. Olson says on their ranch they also rely on forages.
14: So coming up here, Uh, Early April, we will be planting some of those annual forages and we use an oat base mix with lots of brassicas and legumes for an April mix and then we have a June plant mix that we plant and then we plant some more forages again following other crops in August that our cattle will graze. So one of the unique things is how we manage those and those forages sometimes can be very challenging to manage, but they're just one resource that we use to help our operation.
13: I hope you've enjoyed as much as I have learning about the Olson Ranch, its Herefords, and management operations. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman with Friday Feeders, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank.
4: On the Rural Radio Network, as we check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as the settlements come across my screen, it looks like it'll be a solid day for the soybean complex. That seems to be supporting corn. For the wheat market, though, we see Kansas City kind of bump its head above the water, but was it the short side of spreads today? Yeah, it was
15: kind of an interesting session there. I mean, corn obviously stellar action, soybeans as well. I mean, for all the you know, kind of gloom and doom talk, uh, you know, following the WASB that maybe the top had been in, the, the beans played play pretty well this week. So, uh, all in all, NASCAR week for the for the soybean sector really opened, you know, closing in 20, 1220 last week, and uh, I'm sorry, 1420 last week, and pretty much right around that level into the close this week. I'd say the big story to watch here is the energy sector. Uh, you know, corn performing, it was crude oil being down, is a really, really good sign, and that means if we come back, I think it's only to put tailwind behind corn. So, Short term here it's a uh, you know another week of biting time, and then we'll get the uh, the quarterly numbers in the middle of next week, so go out and enjoy your spring
4: definitely things to keep in mind. any concern there with the dollar index it kind of keeps creeping up there, trying to test back around that ninety two fifty mark as well kind of is there any synchronization here with the bond yields with that?
15: Absolutely, yeah. I mean it's it's a uh you look up where the, the treasuries are trading, uh, you can almost correlate and say, Okay, this is where the uh this is where the markets would be, you know, and Nasdaq and you know even markets like cotton and hogs, I, I think those markets have been pretty tied together. But uh all in all I, I'd say the ag sector has done very well, uh, especially amidst the volatility we saw, you know, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh corn, you know, trading upwards here at five sixty. I mean that's almost thirty five off the low or you know, twenty five off the low rather from just a couple of, uh, of, nights back. So short term here, there's a, um, there's still the story of weather. you know, we're getting closer to the crop in Brazil, obviously hitting the market early. You're seeing a lot of ships leaving, um, leaving Brazil and head to China. So prices are going to be a little bit better there, but, uh, in the long run, and I'm going to say this a lot, it's like it comes down to whether you folks can grow it. And, um, that's, that's, you know, we're in the prelims of that. Um, that that story hasn't even started yet. So early weather is, uh, You know, somewhat friendly, you know, like nice to see some moisture in in, uh, Nebraska and Kansas uh, in those fringe acres south of you. But uh, again, once it gets, we get into the heart of the corn belt season, the, the volatility will pick up. So this is just kind of the pregame.
4: That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can learn more when you visit DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, DanielsAgMarketing.com, where you can sign up for John's daily newsletter, This Week in Grain. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing.
0: And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, you can go to podcasts at krvn.com.